November is the last focused month before the holidays kick in. People are often head down, trying to hit targets or to finish projects. This makes it a great time to show your team some gratitude. At Rebel, we talk a lot about building authentic cultures and showing gratitude is the key. You can feel it when you're in a workplace that values gratitude and appreciation because the vibe is tangible. And when it's missing, it's equally evident. At Rebel, showing gratitude and appreciation is something that we've seen trickle through our business in ways we never would have imagined. It's worked its way through the organization right up to the customer and from there to our bottom line. Its impact should not be ignored. You can show gratitude in big ways and small ways. In the past, we've opened up a tab at a coffee shop near our office so staff can enjoy a latte or a treat for their hard work. Sometimes showing gratitude is as simple as taking the time to genuinely thank people, to let them know you recognize how their contribution made a difference. That's what building an authentic and awesome culture is all about. Until next month, this has been Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Meet Canada's leading changemakers at the 2016 Startup Canada Awards Grand Finale in Toronto. On November 29th, join us to celebrate the 16 national winners of this year's awards. Hear their inspiring stories and mingle with the who's who of Canada's entrepreneurship community. Register today for this exclusive must-attend event. Tickets are available at startupaward.ca forward slash events. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Storytelling, the journey of real change makers and discovering their impact on the world we live in. And now, broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, the CEO at coachingbyrockstars.com. Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. On the show, we will fill you in on the trends, opportunities, and possibilities of your next steps as an entrepreneur. And we're going to have amazing conversations on advancing entrepreneurial success and growth in Canada. If you are a regular Startup Canada podcast listener, Welcome back and thanks to any of our new listeners. Remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast on the iTunes stores and then visit startupcan.ca to become a member of Startup Canada and get access to mentors, resources, support and opportunities to start and grow your business. 
All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Today is crowdfunding day. I love crowdfunding day here on the Startup Canada podcast, and we're just thrilled to have as our guest, Mr. Craig Asano. Craig is the founder and executive director of the National Crowdfunding Association. And we're going to learn about crowdfunding in Canada, the best best platforms and ways to raise funding for your startup or product using crowdfunding. And we're going to look at where the entire movement is actually going with crowdfunding and what it means for your business. Craig is the founder and executive director of the National Crowdfunding Association of Canada. In other words, NCFA Canada, an organization actively involved with both social and investment crowdfunding stakeholders across Canada. Very cool. NCFA has the mandate to provide education, advocacy, and networking opportunities in the emerging crowdfunding industry. Craig's got over 15 years experience as a marketer, software technology technologist, sorry, and startup entrepreneur in tech, finance, manufacturing, and real estate in all freaking 15 years. Perfect. Craig, welcome to the show, dude. I uh, I gotta say it, it's great to be here. Love the energy, rivers. Uh, you know this is this is awesome. Always uh, have been a huge fan of Startup Canada. And uh, if I could only play the crowd cheering in the background with that intro, that would be <laughs> that would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I love it. Thanks so much. Well, look, uh, let's get started right into it. And uh, you know, crowdfunding, although it's kind of been around for a while, it's really within the last twelve months. Things have really, I think, anyway, started to take stride. Can you can you give us a sense as to what has been the biggest stride that the movement itself, the crowdfunding movement, has taken in Canada? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. For, I mean, I, I think I have to provide a little bit of history. Four years ago, when we first got into the space, you, you know, you would go up to companies, small or big. You would go up to individuals, you can go up to nonprofits, you can ask pretty much anyone in government, universities, what did you think about crowdfunding? And nobody really knew what it was. It, it was deer's cotton headlight. And you, <laughs> you, you fast forward of three and a half to four years of incredibly hard work of educating, you know, trying to increase awareness uh, to the point where we were working with the provincial regulators to really create a, a framework that was going to allow Canadian ventures and individuals and everybody here in Canada to take advantage of these new financing tools. So I'd say really in the last 12 months, there's been an advancement on the regulatory front. There have been a number of provinces that have uh, adopted crowdfunding-specific exemptions. And most recently, Ontario, who has really spearheaded what's known as uh, the crowdfunding exemption 45108, which is the integrated crowdfunding exemption, uh, that just came live and, and green to market in January. So it's very early days. And there are other exemptions across the country that had been adopted uh, the year before. So all within the last 12 months, we've got five or six provinces that are actively working with funding portals who are actively working with communities of companies trying to help them raise capital through crowdfunding. So, yeah, that, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so, and, and I would say the, the rest of it is really uh, slow yet very promising growth and, and traction. Uh, so it's not all you know, boring about compliance and due diligence and, and the regulations. There's been consistent growth in 2015 
the Canadian crowdfunding industry, and this is a number that hasn't really yet uh, to be published, but we plan to publish the first industry report next month. Uh, in 2015, the Canadian industry turned 150 to $200 million. So we think that's a significant marker when you compare it with the you know, alternative venture funding options. Although right crowdfunding on. is very complementary with, with all, all options. So more portals, more awareness, more people piling in, more uh, tech and innovation happening in the back and front office. So we're, we're, we're still excited as we were when we got into space four years ago. I, uh, you know, when I think of the whole crowdfunding space, I, uh, and I love it, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing and uh, the whole space because it disrupts the banking industry. And that's, I love fintech and all that stuff because that's the reason it's doing it. And so is crowdfunding. But my, my biggest, I got to say, question for a concern for the whole space, it, and this is, uh, it would only take one or two for this to happen, is the little old grandmother in Timbuktu who put in, you know, $2,000 and lost her entire savings because of cr- this thing called crowdfunding. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the bureaucracy starts to clamor down on the industry. How, how do you protect, how does the industry protect itself from that potential situation from happening and damaging the brand? Yeah, I think the you know it's a great question. Whether it's about around fraud or business failure, yeah. or just you know getting someone who's not fully aware of the risks involved. So in crowdfunding, there's sort of two. If you zoom out to fifty thousand feet, there's two prongs. You've got a regulated crowdfunding and a non-regulated sort of market of crowdfunding. The non-regulated uh, market of crowdfunding, like a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or any any number of the sixty to seventy reward-based Canadian platforms that exist today, you know, it's really a, a buyer beware scenario. So what industry can can do is educate the portals, and the portals are responsible for managing the community that they're facilitating. It's not in the portal's best interest, nor is it in industry's best interest to, you know, have those kinds of problems wreak havoc for for any sort of sort of brand. And I think there's more education that needs to be required. Uh, I think on the regulated side, it, it's a different ball of wax. You've got basically new dealer brokers on the street that are using that are gatekeepers. They're they're mm. they have compliance checklists. They work together with provincial regulators. So those offerings are usually much more complicated, much more expensive. They're usually raising larger sums of money. Uh, but as you you know, th- with a gatekeeper involved, you could really minimize uh, any potential for for bad actors or, or fraud. But with all markets, fraud is is going to exist. So right, I right. Think- we, you know, you have to swiftly stamp it out. And in yeah. the U.S., they've got hotlines that are set up. I think in Canada here, NCFA, uh, as a, a conduit to that sort of information, and, and this is a message to anyone, if, if you think there is something suspect, you should, you know, give us a ring or contact us, and we'll try to help share the information. And if, if portals are... Uh, able to mitigate the fraud and stamp it out before it happens with the rest of the crowd, then I think we'll all be better off. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point is that it's not just for the crowdfunding scene, it's for all kinds of scenes where grandma could get hurt. So, uh, you know, I love those catch-alls. And if you play the r- game by the rules, then then everything should work out, the, even if there were a, the occasional uh, mishaps. So so uh, let's say uh, for those that don't understand what crowdfunding is, Craig, can you give us the, uh, the talk about grandmas? Can you give us the grandma discussion? around what is crowdfunding grandma or Craig I'm your grandmother <laughs> <laughs> well I mean crowdfunding has gone through a, a tumultuous history of what is it because it's continuing to evolve but at its at its core it's really about uh, leveraging the internet and social media to aggregate uh, pool small small contributions of capital to get a, a venture off the ground, a prototype developed, commercialize a business. So it's really around uh, accessing those that are investors or don- donees through donation-based uh, crowdfunding models uh, or contributors who, who are buying some innovative new product that's really, you know, really cool before it may ever uh, see the light of day in a retail market and going to them with an offer and saying, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to raise some seed or growth capital. We need your support. This is what we plan to do with the funds. And, you know, here's the contribution button. And if you have questions, we're happy to answer those, those questions. So when you look at crowdfunding, there's really, you know, a fundraiser that's either a company or an individual looking for capital and, you know, looking to tap into new markets and expand their customer base. Then there are, you know, donors or investors or backers, as they're sometimes called. They're really the ones that are providing the funds. And then you have the technology. You have a portal operator. They're sometimes known as you know, funding portals, uh, crowdfunding platforms across a variety of different models. So those are really the three main entities, whether they're regulated or not. And all of the other, what I'll call the crowd economy around those transactions are really facilitating the, the prep and the execution of, of those three parties. And mostly it, crowdfunding occurs online and it, it really relies on the power of of traction and and reaching a tipping point to get the the greatest reach and success in terms of dollars. So let's talk about success for dollars <clears throat> on dollars. Uh, is there a specific sector type of entrepreneur uh, startup, whatever you want to call it, that seems to be uh, getting getting success rate out of the gate with regards to uh, crowdfunding? Well, I think we've all seen cases of, of crowdfunding campaigns that have raised dollars across the gamut, but I think an obvious vertical is the anything of a, of a hardware, anything that's a physical product through, in particular, non-regulated crowdfunding markets. It's very easy for consumers to sort of touch and feel, and really what they're doing is, is pre-buying in advance and sort of helping the entrepreneurs with their cash strategy you know, cash management so they can go out and manufacture and realize that product and distribute it to the hands of, of the buyers. Uh, but beyond that, really, we've seen uh, all, all different flavors, in, including services 
uh, get funded through the clever use of, of partnerships and reward incentive bundling techniques or providing rewards that are experiential. And so really, if you have a crowd and you have a value proposition and you put those two things together through a crowdfunding campaign and, and you're credible and you're, you're legit and you have a track record, then you really have a, a reasonable chance at uh, putting an offering out on a crowdfunding platform. And as long as your target is, is reasonable, you know, achieving that with, with the support of, of those in the crowd economy. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying there because it, it eliminates the fallacy that crowdfunding is just for tech companies. It really is all inclusive and it gets back to basic fundamentals of business. What's your value proposition and uh, and what do you want to offer? Uh, what do you want to receive in return for that value proposition? So uh, I think that's really cool. But also what's cool is you talked about strategy, about how to properly go about uh, doing a, a crowdfunding campaign. Can you talk on Talk about the top two uh, must-dos with regards to crowdfunding success. Well, I think anyone who's going to embark on a crowdfunding campaign and be successful, they, they have to have a network. If, if you don't have an offline and an online network that work in tandem and you're unable to raise let's say the starter funds, the 25 to 30% that is often quoted in crowdfunding campaigns from your own internal networks, you should really not launch before you're ready. You should spend time strategically building up your, your network. And that involves all kinds of different activities. You might be wanting to hit the conference circuit and connect with those with your value proposition and get feedback. You might want to go out and, and create a, a blog around your your product and, and find the kind of community and the messaging that's going to resonate before long before you go out and, and launch a campaign that says, hey, now we've launched. We're, we've been organizing over the last nine months uh, this is exactly what we want to do. This is the work back schedule of, of the production company that we have a contract with, et cetera, et cetera. So detail that plan and, and don't launch before you do. It's really not, not worth it. And I think the other, you know, issue or, or risk that many uh, who sort of just jump into crowdfunding is they think, they think it's easy. They think, Money's growing on trees. It'll just pop, <laughs> pop up a GoFundMe campaign and 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 turn on the the pinball machine, and out, out's going to spit a bunch of money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, what's interesting? What's interesting with that analogy, my friend, is the pinball machine doesn't even pitch out the money either. You st- you still got to play the game strategically, it, right? It, it, I was thinking of those tickets. Yeah, you got to insert quarters or probably tunies these days. But the t- you know, if you want the pinball machine to light up with some sort of score, you 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 need to put in the hard hard work, mm. and and you have to really approach it like you're raising funding through any sort of other you know venture funding uh, option or, or channel. You you have to have your your pitch. You have to have your documents to the extent you can organize them. You have to be very clear with your messaging. If your messaging is not easily shareable because this is largely an online model and the attention span of 
you know, not just millennials, anyone, including your, your comment on grandma earlier is, mm. is very short. You know, you, there's no time for a book. So it has to be succinct, clear. You have to be able to get people excited and it has to be authentic. You have to connect and you have to have that community. If you don't have those things at a minimum, uh, forget about the other 999 things, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you should go through and, and Bill, spend some time to, to check the boxes before you launch. Is there, a, uh, is, uh, is there a book you would suggest that people start to understand the elements of uh, successful crowdfunding? I know there's lots of books out there, but there's the one that is the go-to book for Craig for newbies. Well, I think you're sort of getting into uh, NCFA's uh, crowdfunding framework and fast track program that it's an initiative that we, we haven't yet announced, but I'm sort of announcing it maybe here. <laughs> yeah, <that's> a, <laughs> surprise, so, Craig, you're out, you're announcing it. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we sort of look at, uh, the activity that we've been doing through, you know, broad based major conferences as, as bringing as the top of the funnel. So we're going to talk about the top of the funnel, the middle funnel, the bottom funnel, the top of the funnel. People are just looking to see what it's about. They don't know a lot. They are connecting. Obviously, industry participants are coming out to these broad-based events and corralling and working and and educating. But down into the the middle part of the funnel, it's really, you know, you have to attend a boot camp. This is not the kind of education Mm. that you can just absorb. I think through a book, for example, some, some can knock off if they're marketing experts and they have a sense of, of raising capital before for other ventures, you know, understand parts of it, but typically nobody's going to have, have all 10 points. I mean, it, in particular on the regulated side, the, the compliance and, and the documents and what's involved legally to manage if you're un- undergoing an investment crowdfunding campaign, uh, that 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 has legalities. You, you know, you need to understand those intimately before you you embark and go and go forward. So mm, I love I, it. I, I think at the bottom of the funnel, the the idea that we have had to really bolster and track and create you know more case studies, whether they're successful or or unsuccessful, around our data aggregation strategy, is is really. Uh, working with companies individually over a period of time. And you almost have to think about it. You know, here's a framework. Here's the thousand things you're going to do. We're going to chunk it out. We're going to work with you, with all our partners in industry, and we're going to help you become successful. And that education is delivered not at a one-day educational event. It's not at a, you know, Mm. weekend boot camp. This is over 90 to 120 days Mm. through sort of thematic cohorts where we're here to help. And that sort of education is invaluable. And I think at that point, we will begin to see movement and growth from the top of the funnel, you know, down to the midpoint and into the bottom of the hopper and and track it. And I think that's really what's going to streamline uh, various vendors uh, to the opportunities that exist in the space if they haven't already tracked it. 
and get more professionals who who are, are naturally getting questions from their clients saying, you know, we've been turned down by the bank and we've heard about crowdfunding. Can you tell me anything about it? And, and of course, the licensed professional looks blank and says, I know nothing. So mm, we, mm. We, we really need a tier of professionals that can get out there and recognize that, well, it might not be for everybody. You know, certain companies is a good way to get off the ground and, and get into the, the, the capital markets ecosystem. So, well, let's before before I forget, let's get your uh, how do people um, and we're not done yet, Craig. You're not getting away that easy. Um, what's your website address? Because I think this is an important initiative that you and your great organization are doing. So how do people get a hold of you and your group to learn more about the initiative you just talked about? Yeah, I mean, the, the website itself is NCFA. Canada.org. We're a, a nationally organized uh, nonprofit. And if you Google uh, just crowdfunding Canada, you're certain to find the National Crowdfunding Association of Canada. So we've been growing uh, slowly, but, but surely we're, we've got over 1,300 members mm. uh, involved now, of which half of them are companies, 25% of them are all the industry portals of different models and marketing specialists and finance guys and accountants and so forth. And then the last 25% are investors and enthusiasts and researchers and, and government folks that are there to support through the ecosystem, uh, the growth of crowdfunding in Canada. Love it. Love it. So let's, and you just talked about membership, which is pretty vast. I mean, I think if somebody said 1300 to you four years ago, you'd say no freaking way, but maybe, maybe being an entrepreneur, you are, you'd say absolutely. But the question I have for you uh, amongst that membership, are there any organizations that you say, okay, and maybe two, I like to, cause I'm sure there's lots Two must watch organizations that are really making an impact on the crowd funding um, on the crowdfunding scene? Well, of all our members, we're, we're really agnostic. We can't go out and say one is, is making more of an impact than another. But what we can say is we have a tremendous amount of information, including all of the Canadian portals that our members listed on our website. There's a page there called the Canadian Crowdfunding Directory. We try to do our best to maintain that. And that is really a, a go-to page I think it's one of the more popular page at the association's website. And then you click through to the website directly and, and click on all the how it works button. Every, every funding portal uh, somehow has a how it works button because they may do things a little bit differently because depending on their model, their community, and the kind of vertical or industry focus they have, there could be a variance. But you know, we, we, we really, I hope you can appreciate, we can't say uh, one is doing something uh, over another. I would say that in, in order to to grow the industry, though, and overcome some of the, 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 the obstacles, what we really need to do here in Canada to compete and be recognized as a global sort of at the forefront of crowdfunding innovation is we, we have to streamline the regulations and, and really Canada's without a national securities regulator, similar to what they have in the U.S. So if you have to comply with a, a varying set of provincial rules, it makes it a little bit more challenging. So I think on the regulatory front, they have to do their best to harmonize those regs. And they have to recognize that these are often startups. 
that are looking for, for capital. So the cost of compliance and the cost to operate a, a portal business needs to be realistic so we can form the kind of infrastructure we need to get more positive transactions, to get more capital into the markets and help the companies get get started, get, to get on the first rung of the router. And then we can all, through the ecosystem, boost them up on our shoulders into the, you know, into the, the hopefully, I think of it like finding Nemo into the, into the waters and, and hopefully survive or, or get lost terribly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do respect your answer, my friend. Um, I might not like it, but I respect it. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, you know, when, when, when <laughs> as you're saying it, 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 as I'm asking you that question, it's kind of like asking, do you have children by the way? I, I do have children. Yeah. yeah. Which one do you like better, right? Yeah. Which one do you like better? And my standard answer would be the one that I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I appreciate that. And that's respect and integrity as your leader of the organization. And uh, and I think that's really cool. So let's kind of switch to maybe where you can give us some, uh, some, some uh, personal opinions. Um, what a province is really leading the charge with, uh, with crowdfunding? in Canada? Yeah, I, I would say that there's, you know, one in one and two would, would probably be on Ontario and Vancouver, uh, very closely linked behind. Ontario simply because it's it's got uh, a larger capital base uh, of sorts. Having said that, per capita, the risk capital in in BC and, and a lot of concentration in Vancouver is greater than Ontario. And so uh, what I'm saying is mm. if, if you launch a project and you actually look at who's contributing and, and you have access to that data, and and there's more Vancouver folks that are willing to back a, a project and take that risk. And, and I think I can only chalk that up to that they have a thriving startup ecosystem that's a smaller community that are all supportive of, of each other. Uh, but, you know, other provinces that have had their their moments and are, are growing. I mean, Quebec continues to be a very interesting market. We were just there in the Montreal uh, Startup Fest last month and had some great conversations with all sorts of innovation uh, accelerators and government groups. And they're trying to really integrate a crowdfunding program on the ground there. So that'll be great to participate and, and really spearhead some of those initiatives. And then let's not uh, forget Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, mm. you know, came out in 2013. So, you know, what is that? Three years ago in December, the beginning of December almost brought a tear to my eye when they had basically put a stake in the ground and said, this is the, the draft of the, the startup exemption. This is how they envision it, it to be working. Uh, and, and they went out with it. And now, of course, there was a lot of feedback and, you know, portals didn't really pop up overnight and they had a few challenges, uh, but they, they, they had the guts to go out and said, this is a good thing. We'll, we'll figure this out together. And, and that's really what this country needs to do to say, you know, are we, we, we recognize the benefits. We recognize that it has a, a place in the capital markets and, and private capital markets uh, ecosystem of, of accessing capital. Uh, it's strengthening the companies because they're they're not able to get funding from elsewhere. So if they're able to 
facilitate raises through a variety of investors, including retail and peer-to-peer. It's only adding a new capital supply. It's helping those companies organize. And and we all want these, uh, I don't want to use the word unicorns, we want successes. And I'm, yeah. of, I'm of the belief that if you chase a unicorn, that, that's great. You know, there could be a ton of jobs that come out of that and it circle back in, but nothing wrong with having you know, instead of one billion dollar company, we can have a thousand, you know, ten million dollar companies. And and you know, I don't know if that math works, but the the idea is that we we can still be uh, great in our own way. We don't always have to to chase the the dragons that appear down down south and unicorn to unicorn. Our fundamental yeah. makeup is different. Our you know ability to assume risk, in particular, invest in that risk and the over-reliance potentially on, you know, how, how much involvement the government has in the venture funding spaces are all factors that make us unique. So we, we need to work with that uniqueness and, and there's nothing wrong with a lot of smaller companies uh, creating jobs either. Oh, I think that's really cool. I, yeah, I've, I was at a conference a little while ago and we talked about that whole unicorn phenom and uh, somebody set up, he said, I'd rather, I'll take a few golden rabbits instead of necessarily taking the unicorn. So uh, I think it's an excellent point that you, that you bring on here is that there's, there's an opportunity to be a small giant along the way and do something really, 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 really positive. So, uh, so I, I appreciate you bringing that up. So, um, my next question for you um, has to do with uh, what was that question? Okay, here it is. Um, the why why are why are some provinces just not getting it? Why? I mean, there's five. I mean, I, I'm working with a group right now that wants to do online gaming, and there's two, maybe three provinces in uh, in the country that will accept it. But why? Why is it such a struggle for other provinces to see success that is happening and then want to emulate it? Yeah, I mean, these, these well, well, first off, the, the exemptions that are in, in play, you know, five or six plus provinces have agreed to adopt it. And there is sort of a passport system there. But, mm-hmm. you know, every province that has the, the power to control the distribution of securities, they they think, and they probably are, are right to some degree, that they know their market best, that they already are differing uh, because they have a number of instruments, financial uh, prospectus exemption instruments that allow various forms of capital raising to exist today. So we already have differentiation through the provinces. So uh, to put in a crowdfunding variation, the only risk is that there are just too many flavors of, of, of what should be very simple. It's funny, you know, I, I was speaking to, actually at our Canadian Crowdfunding Summit in March, we, we had a keynote out there who talked about uh, from the UK, is it, we're one country, we have one set of rules. He goes, is that too much to ask? Whereas mm. here we got potentially 10 set of rules. So I think, you know, the, the provinces will, eventually recognize and and back a, a flavor. And I think some of them are a little hesitant because they already have various uh, financing options and they're waiting to see. But mm-hmm. overall, uh, we have some regs. They're not perfect. They're not being used 
actively as they should. And so there's there's an advocacy piece. There's some issues that we need to remain competitive, not just province to province, but globally. So if there's a, a, a capital and an entrepreneur risk of, of the brain drain and the capital drain down south or elsewhere, we really need to take a, a hard look uh, at are, are we competitive? You know, right. are, are, are we providing the sort of environment that we need to even get to 10 rabbits, let alone yeah. a unicorn? Yeah, so, right on. I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, just a, a, a technical question more than anything here. If I'm operating in New Brunswick, which uh, is in the process of becoming, more, you know, it's one of those ones I think that has, has, has raised their hand and I applaud them for doing that, but it's not legal yet. And this is a hypothetical situation. Can I run a company from New Brunswick and run a crowdfunding campaign in Ontario? Well, if you're basically a resident and your company is in New Brunswick, and you want to go raise capital in a province that has no crowdfunding regulations, the, the, the answer is, is no. However, yeah, sorry. I meant the one that is, sorry. I, I picked Ontario because I yeah, did leading, so right? If, 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 if your company that is registered in a province that is has a, a crowdfunding exemption, that's sure, as long as you comply with the regulations in that province. Mm. But, but these are crowdfunding-specific exemptions. There are other exemptions that are being used by exempt market dealers that are, are full licensed exempt sort of dealer brokers and there is a credit investor exemption, there are friends and family exemptions, the offer memorandum exemption. So as long as an actual dealer has a, a website and they have a community of investors and they have a method and a strategy of helping you raise capital and they're calling themselves a, a crowdfunding portal, usually it's an equity crowdfunding portal uh, or any number of different flavors of, of, of the year uh, of what they're called, but as long as they're, they're licensed and, and then you can work with them and, and you're not reliant on a specific crowdfunding exemption, but you will still get the benefits of the, the, the principal and the, and, and the distribution benefits of crowdfunding. So Love really, it. but aggregating a crowd. So, you know, find what's going to work. Every single province has tools available. Uh, you, you probably should not be moving and setting up your operations elsewhere for the purpose of only raising capital, but some, some companies are, are forming partnerships. Some mm. are looking to the sales. Some mm. have uh, products and services that are just ideally suited to sort of global consumer markets and, and are going elsewhere too. So I think as a Canadian company, you need to investigate all your options and, and go out and make a big success and, and bring that capital home here. Yeah, I love it. And so uh, if one path doesn't work, there's about five other ones that will. Love it. Love it. Okay, so let's let's close. I've got two questions. One is going to be the last words for you, my friend. But let's talk about Canada. Uh, you've touched a bit about, you know, uh, unity, uh, collection of arms and focus. Uh, is there anything else that Canada needs to do to be a leading global player? At, at crowdfunding. In, sorry, in crowdfunding. Yeah, in crowdfunding. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think we, you know, I talked about the regs being harmonized as much as possible and competitive mm. with international regs to avoid any sort of, of drain. I think we need to, we need more reg tech. We, we need to get ahead of 
this idea that, you know, we're, we're always playing catch up. So I, 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 the solution that we've, we've, well, many that might be listening to this podcast may, may or may not be aware of, I think they are in, in the UK or who often cited uh, as, as thought leaders for RegTech in the space is the regulatory sandbox. So the regulatory sandbox allows, and it's an intake program that is administered by the UK uh, securities regulators and they, the, the FTA, and they, they will allow companies that really have an innovative model that are pushing the boundaries and really there's no regs that exist for it to come on board and work with them over a period of, I'm not sure how long, let's say it's 12 months and figure out without putting fear into investors that might be wanting to back that innovative business model uh, because regs don't exist. So it enables companies that are innovative to work with regulators to also go to investors and say, we're, we're ahead. We're, we're, we're so ahead that we've got an innovative model that regs don't even exist. You contrast that to what we, we have here where the, the regs are really defining and the cost of compliance of those regs are defining the growth or, or non-growth or the pace of growth of, of the market. So I think that regulatory sandbox is a great concept. It's something that all, I think, regulators around the world are, are looking at, including the U.S. I think they're going to adopt. I think Australia is going to adopt. So I think why not here in, in Canada? This is another one of these uh, things. But the, the other points may be that, you know, what, what can we do here? I think we, we need more, more data. So we're, we're happy to report that next month we're going to be publishing the first sort of inaugural Canadian crowdfunding industry. And uh, there'll be a set of numbers that has is basically counting uh, a survey that we administered from Canadian crowdfunding platforms of, from last year. And that will serve as a benchmark to future measurements and metrics. And if, if we don't start tracking the industry, it'll be very difficult to evaluate, you know, how many jobs and how many, how much money is coming through these channels? Because I think uh, all folks of all types are going to be very surprised uh, when they see the first set of numbers coming out and they may, be, may do a double take uh, if, if they're comparing with other venture funding options. So um, I think there needs to be more data. There needs to be more uh, support from all aspects of the ecosystem. I think many crowdfunders are, are now working with a lot of early stage, you know, integration VCs. We're working with angel investment groups. We're working with incubators and accelerators. We're working with uh, various forms and ministries of the government. We're working with the universities. And so I, I think we're, we're getting to that point, but we're, we're not at a tipping point with the, the regulated side of crowdfunding. Most of the 150 to 200 million that was done in 2015 is still uh, on the rewards and the donation model, which is fantastic that that money is actually flying out to, to those uh, various groups. But I think to be firing on all cylinders and be globally competitive, we need more, we need more um, successful uh, case studies and, and the ability to, to facilitate the, the future raises on the regulated side of crowdfunding. So, you know, more portals, more growth, more, more impact. 
Well, there's, I, I personally think that's going to be an exciting time when, when that happens. It's great the dialogue is happening. It's great that people are accepting that that's going to happen. So, uh, so that's, that's the, you know, I, I, I think if we were having this conversation a year from now, I think you'd see magnificent uh, 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 hurt forward steps uh, or jumps uh, in that direction. So uh, it's going to be an exciting year ahead of us. And on that note, my friend, you've obviously got tremendous uh, – uh, talent, knowledge, uh, education, and uh, we're, I think, very fortunate to have you as uh, the leader in this organization, Crowdfunding Association um, organization. And so on that note, are there any kind of 60-second words of uh, wisdom that you would like to leave us with that we can sleep with tonight? Uh, I, I would just say that when you're thinking about as a venture, you know, raising capital to seriously consider crowdfunding as an option. And it's, it's an option of many tentacles and many opportunities and, you know, spend the appropriate amounts of time, do your due diligence and find the kind of educators and, and groups that can assist you. Uh, the reason why people are in, in, Globally, and crowdfunding is a global phenomenon, or sort of flocking to crowdfunding is really, it is about collaboration. It is about, you know, innovation. It is about helping companies uh, realize something that without coming together, you know, peer to peer, uh, shoulder to shoulder, that we, we couldn't really mitigate risk. We couldn't realize uh, the, the development of, of the next steps, the next milestone. So if crowdfunding is anything but a stepping stone, you know, get on that stone and, and drive it forward. And there are many, many people that are, are coming into the market to assist you. So check out uh, what, what, what it can do for your, for your business, what it can do for you. And yeah. we're, we're happy to help where we can. Fantastic. So once again, give us your uh, your your website address. Yeah, the website is ncfacanada.org. ncfacanada.org, or just Google uh, crowdfunding in in Canada, and I'm sure you'll you'll see us listed. I know we will. Right on. Well, this has been Craig Asano. He's the founder and executive director, which is, of course, the title mean he's in charge of the National Crowdfunding Association, but I'm sure reports to a board somewhere along the way as a nonprofit doing magical stuff. And Craig, uh, keep uh, keep happening, dude, and let's just stay in touch. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Rivers. Really appreciate that. You uh, You have a good one. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. You know, we've talked about the last 10 years. Let's talk about the next 10 years. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's it of course, never ends up being exactly like you want it to be, but you're, you're obviously a man of vision. Can you tell us what the next 10 years... Uh, uh, according to you, is going to look like with Versature? But we're focused on uh, 
doing development in ways that create a lot of value out of out of small pieces of work. And so uh, things like uh, integration with Salesforce, for example, uh, we have a Google Chrome app that allows you to click to dial in something we call social caller ID, which is when you get a phone call, your Chrome browser actually will show you does a little bit of Twitter search, looks at a few things to give you a little bit of an idea who's calling you uh, logo and address if it can, if it's a company name. So my view on where we need to be adding value to compete with the big space and even with the, the smaller vendors is to continue with these little value ads that we can deliver. Find a, a, a just like we did around the, the H2H, find a way to communicate uh, a value to those customers, whether it be a technical feature, maybe it's a business process that we can help them with and deliver that to them like nobody else is or before everybody else is. Uh, and we can do that hopefully relatively quickly and repeatedly and uh, continue to do that. So that's really our, our sort of focus for the next little bit. And uh, I'm continuing to push on the, the customer success side because you, you, mm. when you add new features, it only gets trickier to, to make everything work right. 